0: We're in 1 John 2. If you guys want to get your Bibles, we're going to be at the end there. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 verses, start at verse 18. And, uh, we're going to cover it through the end of the chapter. And, uh, then we'll be back next week and we'll get through chapter 3 as, uh, we get through our study of, of 1 John. So if you're new, welcome. We're glad you're here. Big hello to everybody online. Thank you guys for being there. Uh, you can always catch up. You know that, uh, on the app. Church Center app. You can always find the sermons. You can catch up whether it's weekends, Tuesdays, or Wednesdays. But we're in First John, written by the Apostle John, more than likely to churches in Ephesus, um, of which there were many house churches there. And so Paul was doing, uh, or John was doing the primary teaching. He was a sort of a the leading elder overseer of those people. There's clearly some issues in these churches, as you're going to get into tonight in chapter two. But the biggest issue that they're dealing with in Ephesus is a same issue they dealt with in Galatia and Philippi and Colossae, and that's false teachers, right? The idea that people come in and they teach a gospel opposite the gospel that John or Paul or Peter are teaching, right? It's a primary concern. One of the primary concerns throughout all of the epistles is the need to have biblical teaching and awareness that there are wolves in sheep's clothing right so this is just a, this is a joke story whatever right so you know the picture is a scene in heaven it's jesus standing on one side and satan on the other and there's millions of people standing there and dividing those people is a huge fence and then jesus and satan begin to call out names and they call out names. And as they call out the names, the individuals go to one side or the other. They either go to Jesus or they go to Satan. And eventually they get done and they've, they've gathered a large crowd. Satan's is much larger than Jesus' crowd. And they find their people and they head off. And there's one guy left. And he gets up on the fence and sits there. And eventually Satan makes his way back as if he's looking for something he's lost. And eventually Satan speaks... Or the, the guy on the fence speaks and says, hey, what are you looking for? And Satan looks up and looks right at him. and goes, oh, there you are. Come with me. And the guy says, whoa, wait a minute. He said, I didn't pick you or him. I sat on the fence. And Satan says, that's fine. I own the fence. Right? Luke eleven twenty three says this. Jesus said this. If you're not with me, you're against me. Right? Listen, it's very clear in scripture. There are two sides. You're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. There is no middle ground. There is no place where you or I get to say, I don't want to. That's what my dad said, right? I said that before. My dad said, I'm not playing the game. It's not that simple, right? The simplicity of scripture is that there's only one God, but there happens to be another force that wants to be God. And that cosmic battle for the throne of God has made its way into our world and into the lives of human beings. And now that same debate is being played out in the hearts and minds of human beings and has been through the beginning of time with Adam and Eve starting it. And so that time, every individual has to wrestle with the same cosmic battle and that is, who's God? Right? Who is God for me? Is it, is it the one eternal God who created heaven and earth or is there another God? And that's always the battle that every person faces. And Jesus says this, you're either with me or you're against me. Those are the two choices when it comes to this. And so John writes in first John, to some of this issue because the Gnostics were teaching a different type of belief system. They were teaching a whole nother idea of what a God could be like, because what they were saying was, listen, you want to be spiritual, pursue knowledge. If you pursue knowledge, you can attain spirituality and you can obtain what God wants for you through knowledge. And it doesn't matter what your flesh does because your flesh is corrupt. Your flesh is sinful. So don't worry about the choices you make in the flesh. Just pursue an intellectual knowledge of God and that'll get you where you need to go. And the reality is that teaching is prevalent today more than ever. Because a generation, right? I heard a, I heard a, a, a survey. I, I got, one of my, one of my friends was telling me about a survey or a, an article he read in Barna. And Barna said this between, they did a they did a survey of, of people who grew up in church within the ages of 18 and 29. 64% of the people they surveyed said that they are looking for God outside of the church. 64% of 18 to 29-year-olds have left the church and are looking for God somewhere other than the church. And they gave a list of various reasons as to why they've done it. But all you and I need to hear is this. That there is a huge generation of people that are pursuing spirituality outside of the body of Christ and outside of God's word. That should scare you because the reality is almost every one of you are either in that group, raising kids in that group, or have grandkids in that group. And the reality is once you can pursue spirituality without the God of the universe and without Jesus as your savior, you found another God. And here's what Jesus said. You're either with me Or you're against me. There's no other ground there. Gnosticism teaches the pursuit of spirituality and the attainment of God through something other than Jesus. And that is becoming the prevalent teaching of that generation. And so in First John, in 1, you know, God is light. This is the message we've heard. Listen, light, perfection, right? No evil, no brokenness, no darkness in him. And based upon that, if we say we follow the God of light, our life should reflect that. Meaning, it does matter how you live. Right? If you're a person who pursues a fellowship with God, how you live matters because it reflects a God of light. Amen, church? Which means how we love and how we live. Those things reflect whether we're following God because the scripture makes it clear if we say we walk in light, And yet we have all, if we say we have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, he says we lie and we don't practice the truth. That drives people from churches who look for God other places. Because John says it matters. And then he makes it even more practical. He says this, if you say you love God and yet you hate your brother, you're a liar. And the truth isn't even in you. Jesus said you're either with me or you're against me. It's not It's not complicated. So he gets at the end of chapter two and he breaks down some more serious concerns. And so we're going to talk about that. Listen, I'm not going to get through everything tonight. I'm not going to make apologies. When I get to the point that service is over, I'm going to end it. If you want to finish that conversation with me, great. You buy me something to eat and I will talk for hours, okay? Right? But I do have the right to say, I do have the prerogative to say no to some of you. I'm just saying, right? So um, I'm kidding. Okay. Do we have that passage up for First John 2? Do you have that? Yes or no? All right. So get your Bibles, your iPhones, whatever. First John chapter two. Uh, how many of you heard Joe's joke this week in building? Was that not the worst joke you've ever heard? I, I don't know what service you were in, but if you were in the 9:30 service, four people laughed. Okay, so I'm going to preach this weekend and tell a funny joke. I'm just going to give you a heads up, right? Bill Ding, I'm in the car listening to this, going, "What has happened to my friend? He thinks that's funny, right?" All right, First John two verse eighteen. If you guys don't mind, let's stand and let's read these words out of respect for God's word. First John two eighteen. I'm looking for my TV. Going, where is it? All right says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I don't write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? It's the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. And he's not talking in general because the Bible says that you make disciples and teach them, right? He's not saying you don't need to be taught at all. He's talking about being taught about one specific thing. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You don't have any need of anybody to teach you that, right? He says, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. You can be seated. So, First John 2. I'm going to break it down in three, three areas. And I'm going to do more teaching, I think, tonight than preaching. So stick with me. If this is not your thing, I apologize. But there's a lot to cover. So we're going to read some passages. Let's talk about the age, first of all. Right? John says, it is the, everybody say the word the, the, last hour. The word the is not in the Greek language. It says this, and I write to you because this is last hour. Not the, right? Just last hour, right? The idea is that this last hour Is a particular time frame. Because if it's the last hour. It's been a long last hour right. That from John writing this. Somewhere probably around 90 to 100 AD. And 2022. That's quite an hour. Would you agree? All he's saying is. There's a period of time that we're in. Called last hour. Let me read some scriptures with you. Okay. You can write these down. If you want to. Acts 2. 16 and 17 i got to quit turning there, okay? He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet, Joel. In the last days, everybody say in the last days. In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy and young men are going to see visions and old men will dream dreams. The Old Testament didn't have a season where God poured out his spirit on all people. We've studied in Acts 2 that if you repent and are baptized, you get the gift of God's what? Holy Spirit. God now pours out His Spirit in these last days. He says in 1 Corinthians 10 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. He's talking about Old Testament people, right? People who lived in the Old Covenant. He said these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, the church Right? On whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. How about this next one? Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in many various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through Him or through whom He made the universe. How about this one? Hebrews 9, 26. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now He has appeared. What? Everybody say once. He appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And one more. First Peter one twenty. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Listen, the last age is pretty clear. Right? The last age begins with the appearance, right? The appearance of Jesus and will remain until the return of Jesus. Basically, the age consists of the first coming and the second coming. Between those two appearances and comings of Jesus, you have the last days. Listen, we are living in last days. We just are. And if we've been living in them since the time of Jesus until now, are we closer to the end of the last days than they were 2,000 years ago? Yes or no? Of course we are. Right? We are. It just makes sense. If the last days have been going on since the appearance of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit, right, then we know when the the last days began, We also know, we also know when they're going to end because Jesus is going to come back. So between these two periods of time, we get the last days or last days. We're in them. We're closer today, just by mathematics, we're closer to the end of last days than we were yesterday. Agreed or not? And tomorrow, we'll be closer to the end of last days than we were Today, but whether it was 2,000 years ago or whether it's today, we're all living in what? Last days. It's not complicated, right? How about these verses? Listen to what happens in the last days, right? We live, thank God for the internet, right? We get to see what other people live like at some level just from what other people write. But all the time we know is just our life. Right? And so we think things like this. Man, it's worse than it's ever been. It's worse than it's ever been. You don't know that. You don't have the ability to even say that. Is it worse in your lifetime now than it was 20 years ago? Maybe. But was it worse than it was a thousand years ago? How many of you want to live during the Crusades? Right? I mean, listen, we say those things and we don't know. Listen, the last days have been going on for a long time. And here's what... Scripture says happens in the last days. Listen to First Timothy. Paul writes about last days and says this. Spirit clearly says that in the later times, last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by what? Demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. That's been going on for Over 2,000 years Because remember the last days started when Jesus appeared And they will continue until Jesus returns And here's what's been happening Some people during the last days Abandoned their faith And how did they do it? Because some hypocritical liar Sucked them in It's been happening forever Right? How about James? James says this is what happens in the last days James 5 Starting at verse 1 Listen you rich people Right? Right? Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in what? The last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Sound familiar? Yes. Sure does. But guess what? That's been going on for 2,000 years. This is stuff that happens in the last days, right? They have, they have built a life upon their wealth. And based upon the hoarding of their wealth, they treat people a certain way. Sound familiar? Of course it does, right? God doesn't condemn wealth. He condemns building a life upon wealth and hoarding it and treating people based upon your wealth a certain way. And here's what he says. That happens in the what? Last days. How about this one? For Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. And what are they going to do? They're going to scoff and they're going to follow their own evil desires. Right? All you got to do is go on to any social media platform and you're going to find scoffers. And they're going to scoff. And guess what? They're going to do their own evil desires. Are we living in the last days? Yes or no? Absolutely. Those last days have been going on since the time Jesus disappeared. And they will continue until Jesus reappears. Nothing new, Solomon says, under the sun. But are we closer to the end of the last days than we've ever been? Yes or no? Everybody okay with that? Yes or no? Right? Okay, the front half's talking, the back half looks like they're totally disengaged. Right? Everybody in the back okay? Right? All right, last days. So that's the age. Let's move to the Antichrist. The Antichrist. So John has a legitimate focal point here in his conversation. And it's not so much about the Antichrist as it is about the Antichrist, like multiplicity of them, right? And so if you go back to 1 John chapter 2, let's just read this real quick. Okay? Go to start there at verse 18 real quick again, David. So 1 John 2, 18, let's just read the context. John's the only New Testament writer that mentions the word Antichrist. He mentions it four times. Three in this letter and one in the next. So only four times that word is actually recorded in Scripture. And listen, do I need to tell you what the Antichrist means? Right? The word anti. Right? Hang on a second. That probably doesn't help on the camera, does it? I apologize, Jess. Right? Anti. Right? Opposed. Right? Opposed. Or other. Right? An antichrist can be against Christ. Right? Or it can mean it represents another Christ. Right, So here's what John says Verse 18 It's the last hour And you've heard that the Antichrist The Antichrist Meaning eventually Eventually how many Antichrist will there be? Everybody say one Eventually there will be one Antichrist Why? Because there's one enemy that wants to be God What's his name? Everybody say it Satan, Satan is his name and the Antichrist will be his savior. He will be his representative to preach that gospel message to save people to that belief system. Because you're either with me or you're against me. There's no middle ground. So ultimately this person is coming. But John says this. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrist have come. This is how we know the last hour. He describes it. They meaning believers in our churches in Ephesus, what did they do? They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us for if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. He's not talking about changing churches. Sometimes you move out of the area, you change churches. Sometimes the preachers preach too long and you change churches. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sometimes, sometimes, right? Whatever happens and you change churches. He's not talking about leaving a church and associating with another church. He's talking about leaving the faith altogether. What he's saying is, here's how you know we're in the last hour. Remember how many, how long has this gone on? From the time of Jesus until the time he comes, here's what happens. Some people leave their faith Because they never belonged to the faith. Because the enemy has vote. And the enemy is trying to become God. And the only way to be God is to have people worship you. Right? You can claim to be God. But if you don't have people who will worship you, your claim is pointless. So to validate his claim to be God and to be worthy of all the praise, Satan needs followers and worshipers. Does that make sense to you? So guess what? God, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And guess what he's doing? He's preaching an anti, an anti gospel. And guess what happens? There are people at work in the last days who are anti Christ. Why? Because they're working for the enemy. And what does he say about them in verse 21, 20 right there? He says, but you have an anointing, right? You have a presence of the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth that Jesus is the Christ the Son, and the living God. He says, I don't write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie regarding Jesus and his deity. And his purpose, no lie comes from that truth. Listen to this. Who's the liar? Who's the liar? He says, it's the man or the woman, right? It's the man or the woman who denies, everybody say the word denies, denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Are there Antichrists today? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are lots of, there are lots and lots and lots of people that are denying that Jesus is the Christ. And here's what he says. Such a man's an antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. You see, here's the thing. You start messing around with Jesus and you start messing around with Jesus' deity and you stop messing around with who he is. You don't just lose Jesus. You lose the Father because this is a package deal. The reason why we preach Jesus and don't just talk about God is because the only way for you and I to access a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus. Amen? And if you deny Jesus is the Christ, He says that's anti-Christ. That's what He's talking about. Are there, listen, there are lots of people in our, in our, in our faith that teach things that you disagree with. And we always are quick to say they're false teachers, right? right. If they haven't denied that Jesus is the Christ, we got to be careful. Because what did Jesus said? You're either with me or you're against me. You either scatter or you gather. Those are the two choices. Listen, I hear preachers all the time that say things that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so not right. But then they wrap up and they say, Jesus, is the only way for you to be right with God. They may have said some of the dumbest things I've ever heard from the pulpit. And if I ever got the opportunity, I would sit down and have a conversation with them. But I know this, there are a lot of people that teach things that you don't like and that I don't like and you don't agree with and I don't agree with, but they never deny that Jesus is the Christ. That's why Paul said in Philippians one, I don't care. If people use Jesus for their own personal gain, as long as Jesus is preached, he said, I don't care. And I feel the same way. Listen, if I got, if I lost my mind over everything that people teach that I thought was wrong, do you know what I would become? I would become that person on social media or that preacher that the only thing he ever talked about when he stood on stage was criticizing other churches. I ain't got time for that. What I want you to do is I want you to know Jesus. And here's what you need to know about an antichrist. The number one thing that the antichrist or the antichrist will do is deny Jesus is the Christ. And listen, I thought the people in this church who don't believe in the deity of Jesus, they don't believe he's the son of God. They believe he was born and that he's a real person. But he's not really the incarnation of the one true God. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. God became flesh in the form of Jesus. Denying that is an antichrist. Does that make sense to you? Not, we disagree about how tongues are spoken, or we disagree about miracles, or we disagree about money, or we disagree about that. Fine, disagree about it. But if it becomes the only thing you care about, and you haven't listened to whether they've denied the deity of Jesus, you should do some research. Because denying the deity of Jesus is where everything falls apart. Listen, there are people... Listen, if the Apostle Paul's a big enough man, Apostle Paul knows more than me, would you agree that the Apostle Paul online and in here, would you agree that Apostle Paul knows more than you do biblically? Yes or no? Anybody here willing to say they know more than Paul? Okay, so let's agree. We're not as wise, as smart, as gifted as Apostle Paul. Yes or no? Here's what he said. Get over it. I don't care. As long as they're teaching Jesus is the Christ, I don't care. Listen, for some of us, it would free us up of an hour or two a day. So we wouldn't be arguing about stupid stuff. Because here's the thing. Whether we all agree on how tongues are used, or miracles, or money, here's what I know. If you're not washed in the blood of Jesus, you won't go to heaven. That's what we have to focus on. Now, what do we do when we get them into the blood of Jesus? We teach them to observe all things. So don't walk out of here going, Pastor Court doesn't care if we do this or that. No, I care about order. I care about order. And here's the order. Know Jesus first. Not, hey, we got to agree on everything before I can baptize you. You don't agree about everything about creation? Well, no, I don't because I'm not smart enough to have an opinion about it. It's like the blind man going, I don't know who the guy is, but I'm following him because he healed me. Sometimes that's all you got to do to be a follower of Jesus. You just got to put your faith in him. I care about getting order first. And here's the order. Do you know Jesus? As the Christ, the Son of the living God. If that's a yes, great. And it's our job as pastors and teachers to come along and to teach and to equip you for the work of ministry. And to correct, right? Rebuke and exhort and correct and train and righteous. That's our jobs, right? And yes, there are some people that probably shouldn't be doing that job. I may be one of them after tonight. I don't know, right? But the Antichrist has one message. We deny Jesus. Why? Because we got our own coming. We got our own Jesus coming. So where does this all come from? So this is going to bury some of you. Some of you are going to go. I don't know if I agree with that. And some of you are going to be like, it's about time we talked about that, right? So write them down. Do your research. As Joe says, never trust him. You can trust me completely. Just never trust him. No. I'm kidding. Alright, let's read some, let's read some verses. Is everybody clear on who the many small letter A antichrist are? Yes or no? They are people who deny the deity of Jesus. The Mormons. Right? The Moonies. The Jehovah's Witnesses. These are religions and faiths that deny the deity of Jesus. The Bible is clear on what they are. Right, but it's in our churches too. I've listened to sermon after sermon over the last three years of people in our in our faith that are beginning to deny the deity of Jesus. That's an antichrist message, and you and I've got to guard ourselves against that. And you know how to guard yourself against it: stay off of YouTube, and read your Bible, and sit under good teaching, because we don't need anything new. What did John say last week? He said, I'm going to give you a commandment. And here's the thing. It's not new. It's old. You've had it from the beginning. You see, we're always wanting something new. Right? We need something new. We need something fresh. We need something relevant. I hate to tell you this, but this book hasn't changed since it was written. And if you're always in faith because you're looking for something new, you're going to be a target for the Antichrist. Listen, this isn't new. Listen, I've been a believer now for 40 years. It's not new. It's the same message I heard from 40 years ago. But if I come to church and I'm always looking for the newest hip thing and the newest relevant thing and the newest thing, guess what? I got an enemy who's going, I can deal with that. I got a new message for you. I've got a new way it looks. I've got a new design. It wears different clothes. It cuts its hair different. It talks different. And here's the thing. It's new and it's fresh and it's relevant. And that's what you're looking for in the faith. You better be careful. Listen, this isn't this isn't something we're trying to reinvent all the time. I say to my staff a lot, listen, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Don't come onto staff and act like you're the person that's got it all figured out. Paul, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. You're not a genius that figured something out. We're just to be faithful where God puts us. And the gospel hasn't changed. Has it changed? It's the same as it was when it began. So let's read some stuff about the Antichrist. All right. You can write these down. Here's the, here's the mentions of them. Let's do those real quick. 1 first, first John, uh, John 2.18 and 1 John 2.22 we already read. Those are two mentions of the Antichrist. Here's one in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read it in context with the other verses around it. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. We clear on that? Right? So when you're watching a YouTube video, you're watching a TikTok video, you're watching an Instagram video, you're watching a church's website, don't believe every spirit. Meaning, don't believe everybody who comes out saying they're there because of God. Don't believe every spirit. Because guess what? There are evil spirits. Preach at churches every week. Right? They're everywhere. So he says, Don't believe every spirit, but do what? Test them. Test them against what? This. You see, what we do is we test it against our experience. And we're like, Oh, I like that. Oh, I, I, have you seen this new church? Man, they are so hip and they're so relevant and they're so, th- there's such a breath of fresh air. Listen, you need, you need, I need to test every spirit. He says, test every spirit to see whether they are from what? God. Why? Because if you're not with me, you're against me. You're either working with me and for me or you're working for the enemy. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, we call them Antichrist. And he says this, this is how, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Everybody clear on what he's saying? He says, I'm going to tell you how you know whether the speaker is speaking on behalf of God. Everybody clear with that? Here's what he says. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Meaning, if you're here, you're teaching, and you say something about creation or miracles or healings or tongues or money that may may make a scratchy noise in your ear because you know Scripture, don't panic. Don't panic. But if a person gets up and denies the deity and the incarnation of Jesus as God in the flesh, stop listening to them. Stay away from them. Because he says, that's how you're gonna know whether God's spirit is speaking. You see, we've set the bar, this is gonna sound stupid, but we've set the bar tediously high on certain things when the only bar we need to set out of the gate is, is Jesus being preached as who he is? Is he, listen, if you dummy down Jesus to the world, they love Jesus. They got no problem with Jesus. But when you teach Jesus for who he is, People are going to hate him. Some are going to love him, but a lot of them are going to hate him. Well, we don't want people to hate church. We don't want people to hate religion. We don't want people to hate Jesus. So let's dummy him down a little. Let's set the bar so low that so nobody has a problem with Jesus. Bad plan. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God incarnated in the flesh. Amen. That that's undeniable. That's how you're going to know whether that spirit is this. He says in verse 3, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. It's been in the world since the last days. Verse, that's it, right? That's all of them. Those are the four references. And then here's one in Second John in verse 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh have gone into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the what? Listen, you need to be on guard against one thing when it comes to Antichrist. That is the denial of Jesus' deity and incarnation. Everybody clear on that? That's the main point. Oh! All right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read this passage. It's on. Dan- write this one down. Daniel nine. Daniel nine. So when it comes to the Antichrist, when it comes to the Antichrist, to understand it, you need to understand Daniel nine specifically. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. You've got to know it because everything about the Book of Revelation, everything about the Book of Revelation from chapter six on is collected and started by a knowledge of Daniel 9. You cannot understand revelation unless you understand what he's talking about in Daniel chapter nine, okay? So let's read a few verses, okay? Daniel 9, one. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, he said, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last how long? Seventy years. Prophecy contained in Jeremiah. He says, So I turned, Daniel says, I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. So Daniel reads Jeremiah. Israel, Jerusalem is to, be des- de- is to be desolate for 70 years. In that knowledge, Daniel prays and he fasts in sackcloth. So Daniel, in reference to Israel and its desolation, is praying to God. It says this in verse 4. I pray to the Lord, my God, and I confess. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. Fast forward. Next verse there, David. Verse 15, fast forward. Because he goes into a confession on behalf of Israel and himself. And then in verse 15, he picks up his prayer. Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and we've done wrong. He's speaking on behalf of Israel. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, here's his prayer, turn away your anger and your wrath from where? Jerusalem, right? From Israel, from the nation, from these people, your city and your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. Now our God, he says, Hear the prayers and the petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We don't make request of you because, of you because we're righteous. We make request of you, God, because of your great mercy. O Lord, he says, listen. And O Lord, forgive. And O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, oh my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. So you've got, you got the context, right? Daniel reads. Jeremiah says he'll be desolate for 70 years. Daniel falls on his knees in sackcloth and ashes and prays and fasts. And you see his prayer. And basically his prayer is this. We've sinned. We deserve this. But God, out of your mercy, hear my prayer. Forgive us and act and basically relent from this punishment everybody clear on that here's what he says in verse 20 while i was speaking while daniel was praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people israel and making my request to the lord my god for his holy hill jerusalem his sanctuary his nation He says, while I was still doing that, Gabriel, the man, the angel Gabriel, appears in form of a man so as not to scare Daniel to death, right? Gabriel, I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. It says he instructed me, and listen to what he said to me. Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, Daniel... An answer was given, which I have come to tell you for your highly regarded or highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. So that's what we're going to pick up. Because here's what he does. He now sets the tone for the answer to his prayer. And in the answer to the prayer that Gabriel gives, you and I get a perfect understanding of the time frame of when the Antichrist will come the Antichrist. I want to read the last verse before we go. So David, go all the way down to that last verse. At 1 Peter 4. The very last one. My friend always says to me when I teach, where's the hope? Where's the hope? Well, sometimes when I teach, there's no hope. But when I preach, I want to leave you with hope. Listen, we're living in a day and age where the Antichrist are everywhere. They're denying the deity of Jesus and they're trying to sway you, your kids your grandkids, your co-workers, and your best friends from following Jesus. Because the Antichrist works for an enemy who wants to be God. We've got to be on guard against that. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is near. Amen? It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and be self-controlled so that you can what? Pray. you got to keep yourself together, man you got to work at keeping yourself together so you can what? So you can pray. He says, above all, in those last days, when the end is near, he says what? Love, each other, what? And he says, why? Because love covers what? Multitude of sins. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care what situation goes on in your life. You want to know the best way to represent God in the world that we live in today, where the Antichrist are speaking? He says this, above all. Everybody say above all. Above Above all. Love each other deeply. Love is an acceptance of all things. Love is the acceptance of every person. Not of all things. You're smart enough to know the difference. Let's stop filling out the baby with the bathwater. And let's learn to love people the way God loved us when everything that we did, he didn't agree with. And if we can do that, that 64% of people that are looking for God outside of the church will start coming back here. Because once they see how God truly loves them, it'll make a difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you so much for these people. Um, Just... I want us to learn. I want us to, to know your word. I want us to get who the enemy really is. And I want us to stop fighting unnecessary fights. And I want us to learn to lead people to Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you would teach us, that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth and all wisdom, and that, that our church will be a group of people that pursue you through the study of your word, that pursue a relationship with Jesus by learning to love people the way he did. And I pray, Father, that we'll be a group of people that will do everything we can to constantly make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.